Welcome to Let's Pause, a podcast that gives us the opportunity to do just that. In a society that seems to only be gaining speed, leading to rushed decisions and results, we're pushing the pause button on life to explore, study, and dig a little deeper on a variety of subjects. So thank you for joining us today as we pause. Hey, Mark. Hey, Jeff. How are you today? I am doing awesome. I am really excited about our guest today. I am too. He is someone that we both have known for a long time. Uh, Our kids have had interactions with him as teachers, as music instructor, and also someone who kind of inspired them along the way. And just we know him well through our community. Yeah, and that is Baxter Clement. And, you know, what I know about Baxter is he was born in California, but moved out to the Chicago area at one point and then came to North Carolina. He grew up in formative years here, going through high school and then ultimately went off to Vanderbilt to the Blair School of Music to kind of learn his craft as a classical guitarist and then went off to New York City. And he worked in New York for a while. Uh, in a number of jobs. I think he worked as a, a, a pit musician for Broadway. At some point, he formed a band called the Blondes Inc., which is sort of a, a punk rock genre band. He worked with some greats to include Richard Lloyd of television. And uh, he just really had kind of a, a cool, storied musical journey. And then about six years ago, he and his family came back here and he set up Casino Guitars, which is a local guitar shop. And uh, they do a whole lot more than that, but uh, it's a really cool space, and he's a really cool guy. And I actually think he's been back here a little bit longer than six years because he had a mm. teaching studio first oh, before no, the casino. You're right. You're absolutely yeah, right. So, I think it was Casino that yes, probably came on right. six and, years ago. And I've had the opportunity to see one of his shows that he did a Johnny Cash tribute show i mean this was a a while ago and the talent this guy has is just amazing yeah and i would say he has a spirit that is just contagious and you'll laugh you'll have a great time and uh through this and you're really gonna be like why are jeff and mark talking because we just need to listen to baxter (laughs) so true so true well and and obviously correct me if i'm wrong jeff but when we thought of course we first before we thought of the guest we thought of the topic and we were thinking about music and it seems like it's such a powerful thing in a lot of people's lives and uh and yet we really oftentimes don't really talk about it when you think about it in schools it's one of the first programs that gets cut uh, you know and so on and people kind of lament that but they allow it to happen and yet if we think about it music is i mean it's just such an important thing for so many of us music has been in my entire life. Uh, my mom had all four of us take lessons. Uh, so one of my siblings, he is a violin teacher, you know, so music is his career and he is extremely talented and he is a Pied Piper. The kids, you know, will follow him anywhere. He is, it's fun to watch him with these kids. My sister plays in the Wilmington symphony at times. So that music, they have taken it and continued it and are really strong with it. Her mom also at times, like during the difficult times when as a single mother back in the 
40s, uh, not only was she working, but she also taught piano. And so there was always music in their life, too, as she was growing up. So back in the day of when we just had AM radio in the house, that's what mm. we were listening to. There was always music going on. Besides the 55 minutes of commercials, there was that five minutes of music in that AM station. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, my family has a similar kind of connection where my grandfather was a music teacher and my mother played music and so there was always a piano and music kind of happening in the house and my wife is a musician and has great musical talents and some of my kids have have inherited that thankfully from her uh not from me uh jeff did you ever play an instrument did you have any music background i I already know the answer i just wanted to say it go ahead Please. I did. Uh, I uh, You must have played a cool instrument like a guitar or maybe keyboard or uh, drums or something. So I took piano lessons for 13 years, Mark. Okay. okay. <laughs> so you were really trying to set me up for something. No, right? no. I mean, that's good to know. <laughs> no. uh, so, yes, I played uh, cello and trombone and piano were the, probably the most of the instruments that I played. But there were some other ones along the way to kind of fill gaps in the... Um, let me just let me just say as Jeff's waxing poetic about his cello playing, Nice. I think in the right hands, those are amazing instruments and can create an absolutely magical sound. However, if there were some instruments to pick, if you had a kid that you wanted to get beat up on the way to school, I would say those are some of the instruments to encourage them to take. Go ahead, Jeff. I'm sorry. Did that ever happen to you? Did you, did no, you ever get picked on because it, of those instruments? It did not. But there is a comedian who talks about like someone were carrying a cello is like a wounded gazelle <laughs> on the Serengeti. Uh, that is really funny. If you want to Google that and watch yeah, that comedy routine yeah. for someone who plays a cello, that's kind of funny. Um, Probably never got picked on because you were homeschooled, right, Jeff? <laughs> I was not. I know the audience has yeah. already guessed. Yes. yes. So I, I, this is what I would I would say that one of the things that music did for me on this is it really connected me, to me to a lot of people and gave me a lot of amazing experiences. Mm-hmm. The high school band, I like to joke that I, I'm a band geek and I'm still a band geek, but yeah. I got the March and the Macy's Day Parade. I got to go to Hawaii for the Aloha Bowl. I got to go to the Citrus Bowl in Orlando. I, you know, with all my friends, not like just two, but like with 180, you know, so it was. I stand corrected. Jeff. Yeah, it's so a great it is, opportunity. It was a blast. And for all of you listeners that are playing in bands, it's not, it's not casting shade. So just out of curiosity, Mark, is there any chance you maybe you played an instrument? Of course. <laughs> of course. I would never feel free to make fun of your instrumentation uh, if I did not share it. So yes, I played trumpet and I played coronet and I played French horn. Did you ever get a battery stuck in your French horn? I can't say that I did. That's I've never heard of that. Just so you know, they are not battery operated and that's just a oh, day for another yeah, story for me. Yeah, that hole is actually supposed to have air coming out of yeah. it, not objects jammed in it. That I was in really... fourth grade. It wasn't pretty in the house at that day oh, that happened. Oh my gosh, no. Yeah, because you don't want to just take a pair of scissors and cut through the bell. <laughs> no. That's not the answer. No, no, that was a, that was not a pretty situation. And and the other thing too is it's um, this is back like in 1980, and it was a rechargeable battery. And you know how valuable those were. <laughs> and so let's say, I, my dad was, I'd say. Not pleased is Not probably pleased. a very constructive no, way to put that. That's an auspicious beginning for your yeah. musical career. I think he actually ended up having to buy that French horn too from the school. Mm. It was not pretty. In researching this uh, this talk that we're going to have with Baxter, I wanted to kind of figure out what's the science behind music. Because we were talking before as we were prepping for this podcast episode 
thinking of the value of music and why it's so important to us and all the rest. And Hang on, are you talking about Thomas Dolby? She blinded me with science. That's Is that what you're exactly talking about? What I'm talking about. You know, nice. there's a trombone passing solo in there, in there. I think you're selling it too hard. I think it, 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 so. <laughs> Thomas Dolby was all electric, so it maybe it was a synthesized trombone. Oh, yeah. Okay. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. The the articles that I wanted to talk about bring some science into this discussion. Okay. Along with your trombone, okay. uh, is that music has this effect on our brains that it actually it encourages neuroplasticity. That's a super big word, Jeff. <laughs> it is. That means if someone could send me the definition of that, yeah, that would be it great makes too. Your brain more flexible, as okay. it might sound, mm -hmm. um, and uh, and it, you know it builds new neural connections. It's. Uh, you know, it's great because scales are associated with math. So not just kind of the, the right brain creative aspects of the kind of emotional experience of music, but also there's a metric and a rhythm and all the rest that, that I think probably tap into the left side of your brain as well. So anyways, I, I just, I was really excited to see all of the, the value and benefits that studying music and writing music and playing music also has for us. Oh, yeah, I would agree. And I think everybody who is listening to this would probably say that there are times where a certain song comes on the radio or, you know, they're at a church service or whatever the case may be. They hear a certain song and it brings them a sense of comfort. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So there was an article I read and this came out of the University of Edinburgh uh, in the United Kingdom. Uh, so the researcher's name was Dr. Raymond McDonald, and he said there were four types of therapies or kind of intervention modalities that music plays for human well-being. First is music therapy, so kind of like what you're saying, if you're going through a traumatic event or experience, listening to music and processing those emotions through some kind of musical intervention is, is one thing. The, uh, a, a kind of a type of that was musical medicine. That's the, hey, I'm, I'm about to get my teeth extracted or whatever, and I want to listen to calming music so I don't get anxious before the surgery or the operation. The next was community music, and this was the idea that although the primary goal of community music is self-expression, the idea of like a community choir or carols, you know, during the holidays or whatever. That Don't forget the community band. Or the community band. This is something that the community benefits from just by <laughs> the enjoyment of it. Yes. Musical education. On both sides, enjoyment. Whether yep. you're hearing it or playing it. Mark. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I certainly enjoy listening, and I can imagine enjoying watching you play the trombone and uh, and listening to the music that you would create from that. All right. Jeff. I'll figure out how to do a private concert for you. <laughs> music education was the third thing that this particular okay. article uh, highlighted, and the idea there was there's kind of the, the benefit to the individual, that there's sort of these cognitive advances and attentional advances from the individual learning, but then also some social uh, benefit by sharing and exchanging information that you've learned. The last one were the everyday uses of music. And this is just, you know, if I'm in a good mood, I wanna pump up these jams or I wanna listen to something really loud, blow out some speakers and you know, dance around the room. If I'm in a sad mood, maybe I wanna kind of wallow in something melancholic and kind of sad and mopey or whatever, but like music can augment 
the emotional state I'm in, hopefully to kind of bring me through a hard time or maybe raise my spirits or whatever. So you know, I thought it was just it was an interesting article, but it was all about the value and benefits of music. I do have a quick question. I notice whenever you show up, you have music playing until we start this. Is there something you're trying to get through a hard time when you're hanging out with That's me? That's exactly it. I'm trying to get myself <laughs> pumped up because I know this is going to suck. And so I just want to... Like spending that time with me? Okay. I'm not saying that. I hope you're not hearing that. Anyway, I thought about it because, you know, when what, what's a really common thing? You walk into a gym and mm-hmm. there's like, you know, like there's like some angry music playing while a bunch of dudes are throwing around weights. Maybe that's not your gym. But my, my point is like there's music being played or, or you put your earbuds mm-hmm. in or something like that and you go for a run and yes. you're probably you're probably not listening to C-SPAN. You know, you're probably listening mm-hmm. to some some cool tunes, something to chill you out, or you know, just help you no, not think about how much your run is. Well, and I think killing you. Well, probably in those who, um, you know, those who have the opportunity to drive, there's a certain playlist where people are like, "Oh yeah, this is a good tune. This is yeah. good driving tunes," and yeah. I'm going to be riding down. In fact. I once got a speeding ticket. You know those radio contests that basically say, "Send in the perfect album side," yeah. and so. On the back of the ticket, I wrote a perfect album side, and I won the prize. Really? <laughs> I did, yes. Nice. Yeah, I'm sure my parents would not have been proud of that either. But it's, you know, but you I know, mean, songs like Radar Love. Hopefully or, you yeah. won some money to pay for the ticket. I think a little bit. Okay. Or like a Subway sandwich or something. So. Yes. We've talked a little bit about our guest. Yeah. I say we get to him. All right. And this is going to be a blast. This is going to be a blast. Baxter, thank you so much for the opportunity to sit down with you. Uh, Jeff and I really, really do appreciate it. Uh, As we were speaking uh, with you about earlier, we have spent a lot of our life in and around music. Neither of us are true musicians. And Jeff, I'm not trying to cut in on the clarinet that you played once in eighth grade or whatever it was that you did. But the reality is both of us love music. We couldn't imagine our lives without it. We have family members that are involved. And we really wanted to have a podcast episode that just took a moment to think a little bit more deeply about what the value of music is and how it shows up in our life. And there was nobody better in our minds to talk to than you. That's awesome. I appreciate the the honor and your lack of finding someone better. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Jeff, I've got some questions already prepared for Baxter if you're cool with me launching in on these. I, are you asking me or telling me? I'm, I'm asking your permission, but I'm going to do it even if you say no. I would say that you're telling me. Go for it. All right. Back to, so I was thinking of some good questions to ask. Okay. And I thought to myself, what when I think of music, what kind of takes me back? And I can think about my present day stuff, but I can also think about sort of where did I first get introduced to music? Because it is in some of those really early life foundational experiences that for me have been kind of the most potent going forward. So... The first question I've got for you is, what's your first memory of music? Gosh, um, the first like active memories would be like probably the music from my father, just like Bobby Blue Bland and Otis Redding. He was very much in like sort of black rhythm and blues music from the 60s and 50s and into the 70s a bit. And I, I remember just growing up listening to the, he had the records, so mm-hmm. we'd see it. My grandmother gave me a cheap Sears and Robux guitar when I was in second grade. I was playing cello at some point, and I was always picking out R&B tunes on the cello. So my dad's like, you don't need to be playing cello. You're playing bass. So he bought me a bass. I got the bass pretty good at a young age. And then he's like, you should be playing guitar. And I just, so I just kept, but it was always like sort of R&B yeah. bass and, and gospel and things like that in the beginning. 
Did you know when you were just kind of exploring music as a kid that that was something that you were going to end up wanting to do? Yes. <laughs> I think from the minute like I got it, I was like, I'm not going to do anything else. Yeah. And then there's always the, the ideas, you know, like, yeah, you want to be a fireman or something. And mm-hmm. then I got a little older. I was like, man, that'd be cool to be a fighter pilot because like, Top Gun was the movie when I was a kid. Like, that'd be awesome. 1986. Let's go. But it's always been music. Even like all through, you know, middle school, high school and the, the collegiate times and then just straight to career in it. Yeah. So it's, it's really never, I never had that career quandary of like, what am I going to do with my life? It's always been, it's going to be in music somehow. Was it always, and this is going to sort of share my bias, but always in kind of cool music exploration. What I mean by that is when I was a kid. No, this isn't going to be biased at all. I can tell. <laughs> the nerd over here, yeah. the marching band. Well, yeah. yes. Yeah. Come on, man. I, listen, that was listen I'm about to share some stuff that I don't want to say out loud, but like I played French horn. I know. Right? So there's not an instrument that you're going to get beat up all over more. So, but but my point is like orchestral band instruments, not band like I'm in a cool band, like band instruments. Like B&O, you know, there's a little bit of that kind of band nerd vibe. There's no little bit. There's a huge bit of that. But, but like <laughs> guitar, right. keyboard, percussion, like there's a whole lot of coolness that oozes through those instruments. So were you ever more of a band orchestra nerd kind no. of guy? No, unfortunately, it's, it's never, I, I know. Like, and like, I like. Gosh, it was, it was funny because you mentioned that because back in like, yours and my day, more like there was that division of like the nerds that were the B and O people, band orchestra, and like the sort of cool ones. And then nowadays, the B and O kids are the nerds are cool. Absolutely, it's like being a nerd now. So like, like if we were all yeah. grown up as kids today, like sweet. But like, but, but me being in the rock and roll and stuff, like I had the long hair in middle school and all through high mm-hmm. school. It's yeah. so like down to my like I had the hair down to my belt buckle. It looked ridiculous. And I would wear like white linen suits with like bright colored shirts. Think I'm Don Johnson with a ponytail. It was like this hybrid of the people he was arresting on Miami Vice. <laughs> yeah, you were either a coke dealer or you were undercover. Combine that with like with what I look like, like sort of a cross of Mr. Bean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, trying to be a Don Johnson's like era. Um, no, so it, yeah, so I was always sort of in that. And I, was, I was always playing in bands with like people that were way older than me. If I was in eighth grade, I was playing with a bunch of 30 year olders at some point. Wow. And then I was playing in gospel churches. My parents used to drop me off at the black churches to learn guitar. And so I would just play there. And so I was, and I played at blues clubs when I was 15. And so it was a very different musical upbringing than like, you know, going to band practice. I played an orchestra when I was in young, like the fourth grade periods. Yeah. I think in that I played cello. Mm hmm. Um, but I, you know, once I discovered bass and guitar, I sort of let that go. So Baxter, did like your musical, um, background, do you feel like you learned more by ear or yes. you learned, okay. Versus, okay. <laughs> just, All right. Like, well, I won't answer that. No, 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 but I, I yeah. did, I got into classical stuff later sort of as a, as a <laughs> way to get into college. Cause I was not very good at high school. Okay. So I was like, I don't, there's no way I'm going to get into school otherwise. So I had to figure out a path. And um, so, but I, I learned everything by ear at first. You know, back in the day when there were there weren't there wasn't the internet, mm-hmm. and so it was like there wasn't tabs you could just go look up. Right. You had to listen to it on the radio. Mm-hmm. I remember rushing home and like hearing Sergeant Pepper's, and like me sitting there by the radio trying to copy the songs okay. that came on because you couldn't go out and buy every CD either because CDs were eighteen dollars. You know, back in like nineteen ninety two or whatever it was. Um, and so it, it was it was different. So I learned a lot by just sort of that old fashioned tradition. And I encourage with, with, you know, I taught for 25 years too. So I encourage all my students heavily to develop that skill. And the ones that did 
have had careers in music mm-hmm. to my chagrin I've tried to get them to not do that and have real lives yeah they can play by ear it opens the doors so and I guess that kind of leads me down a question of I think people who like especially young folks who are learning music you've probably seen folks who are very technically skilled yes. and then folks who pour their soul into it yes and it's and it's not always the person that comes in that's that's like initially the best in the lesson like like can you tell immediately like you can but you can't right it is that and then it's then it's that hard work part even if you have the talent if you don't put in like the gourds of hard work and hours a day it just never develops right if you just do 10 minutes a day you're just going to be a 10 minute a day guitar player and then but if you can put in you know the time and the love and the heart and, and then some of those technical guys have it all they have, they have the technical proficiency and the heart and soul and that's when you have like a monster in the making, a good monster. A number of our different episodes have kind of talked about sort of the, the nascent gift that you were born with in terms of a talent and then how you go about nurturing it. It sounds like your your dad kind of put you in places where you could really nurture whatever capability or capacity for music appreciation and skill that you could. How much of it would you say and maybe at what point in your kind of developmental maturation did you take the wheel and say, I, you know, this is what I want and this is what I'm doing? And how much of it was was a parent kind of pushing you into I, things? I think it was like mostly there was no push ever. Okay, there was no push. And like, and, and it was weird because like I, you know, when you're a kid, I remember having a lot of pushback with my father, sort of thinking he was discouraging me from doing it because he's wanting me to try everything. And he, my my dad's like, he was a quarterback at Arkansas. The, the president of his fraternity at SAEs. I graduated in 1965, played with like, you know, the owner of the Dallas Cowboys. Like he's a jock, yeah. like, you know, mad ladies, mad, like fast cars, you know, like just all the time. And he's got this little sensitive artsy kid. And so there was, there was a little bit of pushback more so than I thought there really was though. Like he was encouraging me in the way he knew how to, which was very great and very strongly. But like, I thought it was, I thought it was, he was not. And so we had some friction for some years too. And it was all in my head because I was a teenager. Right. You know, because mm-hmm. when, when you're a teenager, you're an idiot right. with, with right. like hormones and you think you know what life is. Um, but that's when the best music's written too a lot of times in your early 20s and when yeah. you think you know what life is. Because once you're paying mortgages and have kids and got to figure out what's no, going Nobody on. wants Should to listen to songs about mortgages. No, no, <laughs> Not yet, but there's going to be a niche for that. No, I hope never. <laughs> yeah. so I, gotta, like, I was thinking about some of these, these older cats too. Like that, I love all my legends like Clapton and... And all the guys from Crosby, Stills, Nash, and everything, and Neil Young. But it's like, I don't want to hear your newest protest song. I want to hear the newest protest song from the 22-year-old that's like marching, you know, against like the civil injustices. Or mm-hmm. I don't want to hear about the old guys like, you know, I'm a 13 times over millionaire and I'm upset about having to pay this or something. Not right. that I'm a screaming liberal or a screaming conservative. I just, I just want to hear the young cats right. sing, sing about change and protest. I was just impressed by, as you were kind of talking about some of those early musical experiences letting as a parent and i've got a lot of kids as you know the idea of children of putting my you know letting my 15 year old go gig out at you know somewhere or bringing him or her places that would have taken a great deal of trust as well as (laughs) you guys are more overprotective than my parents well maybe that's it because i know your wife yeah Yeah. (laughs) no but my mom was very protective but i don't know i think she it's just I don't know. I was like, I always had a good head on my shoulders, and, and I, I think it was different times too in the '90s and like stuff like that. It was, yeah. 
there weren't I mean there were monsters out there but it was like I don't know I feel like it was it was I hate to say it was like the good old days but it was nice like it was a time before we had a record of everything we did Mm -hmm. no one's taking you know snapchats or instagrams or tiktoks or, or selfies of themselves and like you could go out and create these adventures and it was all in your head that's that's what I loved and there wasn't my parents like they had this faith like my you know my dad like grew up on a farm you know like, you'd go out there and he fell through the lakes and he could die at any minute or whatever it's just part of growing up and kid you gotta fall and make your own mistakes and right I, I let my kids make they, they can I let the eight-year-old walk around downtown with his little brother we kind of keep an eye on him from a distance but yeah I, th- I feel like you have to learn through independence yeah that time has changed because it seems like now most parents are putting their kids in a giant bubble and we don't do that with ours at all. Like my, yeah. my wife, she, cause she was off at a boarding school at what, 13, 14. So she was living in DC away from her parents and never went back. It's like, in, I like to say I went to boarding school too. As some people call it in juvie. But, <laughs> <laughs> whatever I call it boarding school. How do you think music serves the greater good? I mean, there's so many answers to that. I mean, the greater good, like of yourself and your own soul, or like the greater good, like the mankind. I would. You can start on either one of those. Well, I mean, it, and personally, it just it brings you peace. It's it's a form of breathing. I think for a lot of people that find and connect with it. When you get your family, I think it, in your your town and and you expand your state, your country, and your world. I think it sort of creates a connectivity. It creates a sense of history too, which is a big part with me. It, it connects you to your past and builds a bridge to the future through generations that can't be done through just talking. Like I can play a tune that like you know, my father might know that my son will somehow identify with now. And it, it sort of creates this bridge that I can pass on through this, you know, an almost bard-like style through melody. That's, maybe that's part of it. What would you say has been like the top one or two impacts of music in your life. Not influences by, you know, well, I played with so-and-so, but besides this podcast. Well, clearly, this clearly is, that's going right up there. But that's just, <laughs> who are you guys again? <laughs> well, you look like Sobo, like the Hercules guy. That's right. I mean, you look like his partner. That's right. I'm a sidekick. <laughs> yeah. The little guy yeah. carried around well, in his back. We should have posted a photo of those guys. Yeah. Oh, I mean, you have to put it because I mean, you do look like that guy. It's really yeah. funny. It's, it's unfair. Your skin's not as like he's he's a little more aged. Yeah. And like leathery, but he's like also that. ripped like a cantaloupe. Yep. <laughs> I think Mark, you're a little bit more ripped than that I'm guy. more cantaloupe than ripped. <laughs> oh, I, like I love Kevin Sorbo. That's his name. Yeah, there we go. If, you, okay. if people are listening and they haven't watched the Hercules show from the 90s, it is artistic masterpiece. <laughs> it is. It is. It's Just like Mark. You know, it, you know, if you release it today, kids today are watching it now. Right. It's, yeah. like, it's so funny. It's like Bob Ross and the Joy of Painting. Yeah. yeah. It's like it's, it's some things are created and they're, they're, they become art. When they were never intended, it was just a commercial product. Right. And then now it's like, anyway, I'm sorry, what were we talking about? Yeah. We were asking, in addition to Hercules, which clearly <laughs> made a significant impact on oh. your psyche, um, in terms of music, what's, what's been the personal impact for you? Like um, a big personal impact? Yeah. Well, you could pick a small one. I mean, like moments, <laughs> moments in music. It's weird. Like, I remember, like, and this is totally outside, like, the world of music I love. I remember watching, like, a, a a VHS of Horowitz playing in Moscow. Does anybody remember that concert? The famous like Russian pianist that had to like run away from like Russia, the Soviet Union back then. Then he yeah. was invited back after the Iron Curtain had fallen or whatever. And I remember watching that and sort of seeing how that translated to the world. I mean, the joy of music and like this 
you know, 80 year old man just still had the dexterity of a wizard. Mm-hmm. And then I, I remember playing like guitar for my grandmother as she was passing away. That was a pretty special moment because I, I was playing Mozart, but then I spent, you know, she was being unresponsive. She was pretty much almost gone. Then I started playing Johnny Cash and singing. She opened her eyes, smiled, and she went. It was a really cool moment. But then my favorite part of this is a horrible story, but my favorite part of her passing. Well, that's a weird way to say that. But um, right before she passed, she she looked over at my mother, and like my mother had taken care of her the whole time. Like, it was wonderful, and her brother wasn't really around that much. She goes, your brother was always more talented than you. <laughs> this last word she said. I was like, this is awesome. Forever, Mom. Forever. And my mom started laughing, too. We had a little tear. It was, it was great. Perfect. The moments. But that, that, I'll never forget that moment. It was all because of me being able to play guitar, and she gave me my first guitar. Hmm. And so that was sort of a special thing. and But, there, I mean, there's been tons of them. Then more recently, all the moments from all the extensive teaching I did when my students reached a certain level, there's a few that I can count it on, like, you know, two hands, like these special students that have reached levels that are beyond what I think even they thought they could do. And, like, in their playing, but also in their career, in their lives. Not just the success they brought, but from around them, because many have professional careers in music now. Just the joy they have and the, and the peace, like we talked about earlier. Like I have students that are 21 years old that, are, that have worked with some of the biggest artists mm. in the world at this point, and they don't have social media. They don't use cell phones in the same way that even all of us do, probably. They've disconnected because they found that peace through these, these wood and steel guitars. You know, they bring them happiness. Yeah, That's some of my favorite parts. What do you think are some of the historic moments of music besides like the Horitz one? I mean, that's like a niche one, I guess. For, I mean, obviously anything at Woodstock. Mm-hmm. And just like, you know, I think like the Beatles, first time on Ed Sullivan, you know, Elvis Presley in all of his original TV appearances from Ed Sullivan to like the comeback special. And, and just the idea of Queen and like the epic, uh, you know, the concerts they did for charity and the, these moments. And then you look at Nirvana Unplugged. Mm-hmm. And just like the, I'm looking at rock and roll primarily and the pop skates. Then you look at the tragedies from the Who's concerts to Travis Scott, what happened recently with, you know, people losing their lives to go have fun at a concert. But then that's just forcing just a small part of it. I look at these great moments in history. Like I met so many people that have talked about Woodstock that have been there. And I met so many people that almost went there. And like, there's no more regret than that. They could be like, man, I've been divorced three times, but like missing Woodstock was the most tragic <laughs> part of my life. <laughs> and even if it was a hellhole when you were there, like, and it was rainy and like, it was disgusting and you had to pee in like mud piles and there's no showering, but just to be there when that magic happens. Cause rock and roll was young then. And it will never be that way again. Like it, cause it was, People talk about why was it so good then because it just never been done. Like people were just trying. Now everything we sort of recycle it. And that's okay. That's just part of what we do. Right. And, I, and I love new music. I listen to new, new music every day. Like my, in my car, my rule is no old classic rock channels. It's just always new stuff. So I'm exploring new music. But I think, you know, rock and roll was magic at one point in 1959 when it sort of exploded onto the scene. And Buddy Holly I'm obsessed with. And Elvis Presley. I love all that stuff. And Carl Perkins. And I love what the Beatles did and I love what everything at Woodstock from Jimi Hendrix and it was also a time when the suits that ran the record companies had no idea what was going to be good so they, they took a chance on everything 
there's no way Pink Floyd would get signed today. <laughs> we're going to make this album. It's going to be a concept record. Eight songs going to be 12 minutes. And when I talk about pigs, you know, they're like, okay, no. You need to have a TikTok hit. Yeah. You, have, you, need, you need to appeal to this audience. Then we're going to have another single come out next week. No, but it's and then like then eventually all these hippies became the record heads who thought they knew what they were talking about and then music started to stagnate and then now you have all the kids that thought they knew what they were talking about and it was almost better with these stiff old suits that had no idea and they knew they didn't like alright take a chance sing that song we'll do a 10 minute song about pigs I love it that's anyway so what's the favorite concert you've given or been part of gosh I mean I don't know it's um I loved all the stuff I did when I was younger, when I was in the Blondes. When I was touring, I got to like I got to travel around the world and see like all sorts of places I would never get to see, and I was paid money to do it and meet lots of strange and interesting people, and not have to shoot at them. Right. <laughs> all the soldier friends that I have is like, hey, how are you? Nice to meet you. Thanks for coming out to see me. You know, but uh, that, but then like when I came back here to Southern Pines, it's like doing that Buddy Holly and the Johnny Cash runs. Those were really special because it was neat to connect with an audience that sort of lived through that and watched them sort of relive those experiences of their youth. You know, the audience's average age was, you know, anywhere from at the young point, 45 to, you know, 85. Mm -hmm. And it was neat seeing these people that were, you know, 80 or 70 or 60 act like they were 20 again. I have one guy at the Buddy Holly story when I was doing that show. I think it was a local one here because I did it all over the country Mm -hmm. for a bit. Um, it was at the sunrise I came up and his wife was with him her nose was shattered blood all over her face and it was, this was at the end when I'm just meeting everybody the curtain call I said what are you doing here and like what happened she's like well we were dancing I hit her in the elbow <laughs> my elbow with my and her face exploded but we were having so much fun you know that's the song I lost you know, we lost our virginity too and I'm like what it sucks <laughs> Like the, at that concert? No. <laughs> okay. You know, like, wow. 60 something years prior. I was like, oh, okay. no, this is great. Right. You should go to the hospital. <laughs> but it's just like, those are moments like that. And like, I remember talking to my friends in New York about it. And they're like, what are you doing? Like, you're dressing up as some dead guy, like, singing songs that you didn't write. I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. And I get to see people smile and happy. I get to give the gift of music. And, you know, it's a job, but it's not. I would do it for free. Don't tell the producers that. Um, but it's. It's amazing. You know, it's a gift that I was given by some way just to be able to do that. I get to make that's the job of a musician is to bring joy and to tell stories and to maybe make social change if you're in like in that phase. But you know, and the job of music and movies is tell you how to feel. And that's also it's just it can convey emotions and create emotions. And I love that. So those were special moments too. So Baxter, I know only a little bit about your background in terms of training, but I know thanks you for doing pl- the research. Hold on, hold on, I'm gonna redeem that statement. Like as a classically trained guitarist know, know my from the Blair School of Music, Ooh, fancy. Look at that. Then you get into basically punk rock. I kind of knew the whole time I wasn't. I didn't want to be a classical musician. It's just I didn't. I didn't want to live in like the ivory towers forever. I wanted to go out in the world. I wanted to see life. I want to live in like the trenches and experience things. And there's a part when I was probably about a freshman or sophomore in college where I thought maybe I do want to be a classical guitar professor because it's a comfortable job, it's safe. But it, but then, then I rediscovered my love for rock and roll right around my sophomore year in college. I remember. But no, then as soon as I finished college, I you know I packed my bags, came back to say hi to my parents, and I moved from Nashville to New York City and lived on a friend's couch for a few months while I tried to get my feet on the ground I had no idea how to do anything there's another guy from um, Southern Pines too that 
he was isolated on his couch in Soho. And his, his apartment was not even half the size of this room. There's <laughs> so those two dudes shacking up. Yeah. What, what, uh, what drove you toward the sort of the type of music that you chose to play? I mean, I just, I was obsessed with this band called the Velvet Underground. I love Lou Reed. I like that sort of New York sort of I, that CD, like New York City sound is what I was always like Iggy Pop. I like too. He's not from New York, but that, you know, and then I got up there and I, and I, we've, I had a band called the Blondes Inc. That we, it was a friend from mine from college. Like we sort of reconnected and we moved up there. And then we formed the band up there with other members. And it was, that was, but that took years to get sort of together while I was working all sorts of weird, crazy, odd jobs in the meantime. And then got into the Broadway circuit for a bit too to, to pay the bills. And that was an amazing experience as well. And then did commercial jingles for all sorts of things from Carnival Cruise Line to Macy's to Blues Clues, you know, all sorts of, it was, a, it was a weird life. I've never had a real job ever since I worked at Viacom at MTV for a minute for about a year and a half, I think. I totally re- regret giving that up. No, they fired me. It was, it was <laughs> a good reason to. <laughs> I'm never good at my job at the logs. They knew I was like, I didn't need to be there. That was, oh, that was and, a tough one. And how did you get into casino? How, I mean, how did this this part happen? Because you, you came back here. Yeah, it's after doing it for, like, I love it. My band sort of dissolved up there. And I sort of had a choice to make. I could keep, I could keep the hustle going, and we're doing pretty well. From playing the, the Broadway gigs and touring around and stuff with different guys, I was playing with Richard Lloyd from Television for a bit, and that was fun. But it's not steady, and all these other cats in that sort of punk scene from the seventies. And like I was hired on as their young guitar player, and I'd go and do things. It was wonderful to work with your icons. But I want to. Um, I got to the point where I was like, I've had such a good life so far. I was only like thirty or so at this point, thirty-one maybe. But like I wanted to be able to set up something where I could show kids that you could actually do this as a job. Like I didn't have to have a real job the whole time. So I set up teaching studios and that was sort of the impetus of before casino was even a thing. I knew I always wanted to do that, but I wanted to set the teaching studios first and develop that business, but also give kids a chance at something beyond what they, they're told every day that they can do. Yeah. I assume like anybody, you, you come back to a place and you have expectations about what this is going to be like. You've got a vision of what you're going to build or do, or uh, it's, whatever. It's way bigger than I thought it was ever going to be. I thought it was just going to be nice and easy and quiet. And like now we got like a full time team of full time cats here that work, like you know, seven teachers at the teaching studios teaching all the time. We got like you know four or five full time guys working the shop. It's you know we're shipping guitars to every you know corner of the earth right now, and our YouTube channel is sort of blown up and done really well for us which we have no idea why we just have fun talking about yeah. guitars yeah and, um, and it's it's just neat to see the joy that it brings it's neat to see that it's supplied a living for other people here too that they can work where they enjoy life and it's a very flexible unit too like if you have a family emergency you don't have to ask you just go take care of it you know it's all about you know people get in trouble they can stay we have an extra bedroom upstairs or this couch you're sitting on right now turns into a bed I don't know how many guys have yeah. slept on that thing. Usually passed out from drinking too much. So we, we may have wanted to black like that before we, <laughs> before we set up. Yeah, That's yeah. good to know. Or is Definitely. it drinking too much? Do we get to do that too? Yeah. All sorts of bad things have happened okay. on that couch. No, but it's, it's, been, um, it's been an amazing experience. Yeah. I've had fun every second of the way. And it's a lot of work, but it's a lot of fun. I've met tons of great people. Well, and Baxter, I think one of the things that, you know, I think we've appreciated about you, and especially I think that's been a gift to our community, is you're really relational. I've never seen you have a bad day. Yeah, I'm sure they happen, but you are yeah. so 
like always cheerful? I, I, I drink a lot. Okay. I actually really never drink. Yeah. I'm pretty boring in that respect. Yeah. Like, oh, do you go party? I'm like, no, I just like, I'm happy all the time. Yeah. I, just, I really am. It's like, I get to do what I love to do. I work with my best friends. Um, cause you know, I love that. I don't teach anymore really, which is sort of a sad part, but I knew I had to stop to build the business to the next level and to devote time to my family and to enable other teachers to sort of take that on for what I started and go with it. There's parts of that I miss, but there's, you know, the flexibility. I don't, I don't miss not having that, but no, I, I love people. I'm pretty much, I love meeting new people. I love talking about guitars. I love movies. I love books. Uh, yeah, it's, why is life short? Life's good. It's neat that, you know, what a neat country we live in. What a neat town. Yeah. Like who would have thought this town is like such a, an amazing place. And it's, it's the people, you just can't help but be happy here. Yeah. I tell the kids that are like unhappy, like just, just go off and live a little bit. You realize what kind of paradise you have here. And I do think you should, everyone should go off and live. Mm-hmm. Like go try things. And I go, even, it breaks my heart to see my sons ever leave, but man, you have to. You have to exp- then you don't realize how great it is if you don't. In what way do you, does music show up for you in terms of like your family life, your kids' life? I mean, I, I've been very sort of not, I've been passive about it. I haven't been too active. I've sort of exposed them to guitar. I want them to show the interest themselves. Some of they show a little bit, but not. I'm not massively pushing on them. I'm going to start pushing a bit more, just because I don't want them to get to be like you know late high school. And be like, Dad, why didn't you make me play? I do want them to have that if they want. I think it's a gift. Yeah. But I also don't want to be that forcing parent. Right. Um. So, but we do have music. You know, like I'll play guitar up in the apartment a lot and. Like they'll, we have games, we play rides, play music, and they run around, they stop. It's like red light, green light, but with music. So what, I guess, what kind of guidance would you give our three listeners? Um, the, uh, our, our listeners to... Um, That's only if you listen. Yeah, if you listen. Yeah, if, I'm what, not going to listen to this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here, why would I listen to yeah, this? That's a, a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. Two listeners. If you uh, kind of give listeners how music can add to their quality or add to their life as they continue to Gosh. move forward in this complex life even if you don't play it just like the joy of listening to it can be such a powerful thing and i've the joy i've had most recently in some strange ways like my strange adorable mother um she her name's ruffles and her instagram handle is ruffles 864 follow her it's hilarious she just posts pictures of her dog um, but she doesn't know I tell people about Instagram all the time. It's like, why do I have so many followers? I'm like, I don't know, mom. <laughs> I tell them wow. the details sometimes. Like she's getting like, like, yeah, I'm doxing my mother. But uh, <laughs> no, but no, but like she'll call and she's like Baxter, and it's like I'm listening to like the Eagles, like on full volume in the living room when she walks in the living room, like in circles around the dining table or something. I'm like, mom, that is. She's like the bass part's so good. Like she's not someone who ever spoke this way. She said it's totally different. Like I love it. She's into music hard right now, and she because you know, she's I'm not gonna say how old she is, but she's over sixty five. Um, and you know, and I remember her calling me one day, and she's like, you know, you know, Van Morrison's just a terrible singer. And she's not he's not that good. And I was like, well, what are you talking about? Van Morrison's like a gift from God. She said, no, he just kind of talks. I'm like, I so we had this argument on the phone. And I finally saw him in person for lunch one day, and I was like, what's up, with you and Van Morrison? She's like, I don't know. I just don't like like come on, baby, light my fire. I'm like. Oh, Jim Morrison. I was like, oh, it's like, it's like a week long where I just confused that my mother had this horrible ear. But the fact that she's like actively listening to music that she grew up with, but she didn't enjoy when she was there because I think she was busy living life. She was being a mom and working and like, you know, in this time, you know, 
in the 60s and 70s when like there wasn't the internet obviously and there wasn't a way to you know when you're a family person then with the, you know you weren't out there living the hippie dream she was living the life as a school teacher and like raising kids and living in northern california with where i was born it was just it's just neat to see like you can get it past 65 too yeah, i yeah. love that you know it's not just the kids well I, I love i'm sure she's getting her own value out of it but that she's using it as a vehicle to make a connection with her son i don't you think know. she gives a crap about that <laughs> <laughs> nice try well, well I, we, I, we, I can give we can package that part that to her for christmas no no i mean god the stuff i got she, she's super that TV show outlander right now have you guys watched that yeah it's pretty much like scottish soft porn <laughs> I, don't, I haven't watched it yet but I mean, so we got like we got a coasters made. We made we did this ourselves with like Photoshop, a pillow with like the dude like shirtless count. You yeah. could be him too, like yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, you're more kind of sort of. Yeah. Yeah. But no, no, but it's like yeah, like that's, I love that she's like and like I'll I'll turn I'll call them or something like I'm here in the back like uh uh I'm like mom she's she's blushing on the phone I can tell her dad like my, my dad sitting there watching I think it's hilarious I love it though I love that they have rediscovered that. Yeah. Like the rock and roll and their sex, like love or whatever, like all the at the twilight years, shall we say? Well, someone who's got a master's degree in gerontology, that is absolutely important. Intimacy is important no matter how old you are. Did you have a master's in what? Gerontology. I thought you said jailontology. I was like, well, <laughs> no. there's a gerontology. Gerontology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like Scientology, but it's, <laughs> it's simply for all men I love jail. Scientology. If I could look like Tom Cruise, I'm signing up tomorrow. <laughs> I've been to the Church of Scientology once. It was actually, they're really nice there. But they all have portraits in the attic. It was a little weird. Yeah. But but they're really nice. They're super nice. They all dressed a little funny. That's why I was like, I can't do this. I read something about you. And uh, the quote was, he is a quirky musical genius. Mm. And then under that sort of (laughs) moniker was kind of like, hey, he's good at anything he touches uh, in terms of instruments. And don't talk to my wife. it, 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 It made me wonder. Although, oddly, her name is... Guitar name. Am I a young son A little bit shocking. Uh, but, no, my question was, what are you not good at when it comes to something in music? Or what was really hard for you? Uh, I mean, I'm terrible. I, I wasn't good a lot. I wasn't good at school. You know, like I, but until I got to college and I was on the dean's list. Just because I, it was stuff I liked. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I think school is like a horrible system the way it's designed now. Where just like everyone's supposed to be the same. Here's your bottle. So I wasn't good at that. I wasn't good at all sports. I tried every sport, though. That was funny. You know, I, was, I was a captain of a team in college of a sports team. People can never guess what it is, which is always funny. You guys got it? It's a sport. It's in the, it's in the Olympics. It's a real sport. And it's the most useful sport in history, probably, in a real-life usefulness. Gosh, I would have said curling. No, that's not useful. Winter or summer Olympics? Uh, summer Olympics. Okay. Um, God, winter would be very useful to you, right? Let's say. So this is radio. you got to go faster. Okay, I'm going to go with javelin. How is that? A, how is javelin a useful <laughs> for like boar hunting like, for long distance? Like putting silverware away in the kitchen, <laughs> you know, it okay. makes a game out of it. Is that your final answer? I was desperate. Do you want to a friend? Come on, Sorbo, okay. you got this one. Are you buying time right now? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you you worked in this field. You worked in this field. It's a militaristic sport. It's a militaristic sport, Jeff. For Pete the Saints. three musketeers were very good at it. Oh, fencing. fencing. There you go. There you go. Fencing. I, I just oh, feed that to you, baby. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, you did have yeah, yeah. well, good I've one. always loved trying new things. I was I got I was really good at it after never doing it my entire life. I tried it when I was in college because it was offensive. I was like, let me go try that. Like, I got yeah, you gotta be captain for a minute. 
So do, you, do you still have a foil? So how does that work? I collect antique weapons. Frequently in life, I like how do you use that often in well, life? Well, if there's an apocalypse or if oh, there's okay. like, you know, or if there's yeah, like right. a war, yeah, you okay. can't like. I mean, be good at soccer's yeah. useless. We're gonna run out of ammunition. You know, like you're gonna you're gonna have oh. to have like bladed weapons eventually. All right, that's that is a good point. That's it's a, a useful point. thing. So, yeah, no, I, right. I'm, I'm terrible at plenty of things. <laughs> I, I'm I'm very not. I, but I, anything at music. Like, is there any instrument you can't I don't play? blow on instruments. I, I've never played a blowing instrument, really, like the winds yeah. and stuff, because I, I don't want to hang out with those nerds. <laughs> oh, gosh. So, oh, so this is where I confess that I also played French horn and trombone. Oh, Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, the virgin perfectionist. <laughs> no. Yeah, let's see. There's a lot of things I'm terrible at, obviously, so... And I'm sure music... Yeah, I do uh, like we're going to have to take your word for it, because yeah. everything that we've seen... You're talented. No, yeah. no. And so you guys have low expectations and you don't get out much. <laughs> so let me ask you a question. Can you play something for us? He's getting a guitar and he's going to play it. I have a guitar. I mean, it's just, it's, it's my little blue guitar that I like so much. Mm. I think it's such a... It's no French horn. Uh, <laughs> but, but I expect you to do that afterwards. Mark's going to do the same thing. Yeah, yeah French, like French horn duet. So, so <laughs> those those that are listening, uh, that's what happens when you spend your life well and you no. spend it playing really cool instruments and working really hard. It's when you spend your life in your growing up formative years alone, <laughs> sitting in your room. Well, but I mean, it is. I, I, you pay a debt there, and then it pays off later, though. Yeah. It, it does. Like, I, I get to have that. Like, I'll come here every night, usually after the shop, and the kids are in bed, my wife's asleep, maybe. And I'll just play guitar by myself. Yeah. And it's just relaxing. That's my most enjoyable moments I have now for my playing of music. Yeah. Just by myself. I just love it. Do you think you'll be able to play forever? I mean, I, I'm sure that my skills will diminish at a certain point, but I think I have a few more years, hopefully. Yeah. If I can just get two more good years in, I'm happy. I'm not that <laughs> two? Yeah, I mean, once I know the hands start to get like, they, they do things. And even if I can't, I just love the beauty of the instrument. I love listening to other people play. I love the shape of them. I can just sit there and look at that wall. Yeah. I just look at guitars. It just makes me happy. It's like a beautiful wall. Yeah. And, well, and this is a beautiful place. You've decorated it with beautiful things, but that's one of the most common things I hear about casino guitar, regardless of the quality of the folks that are here. People are like, it's just such a beautiful place. <laughs> the quality of the folks. No, yeah, I mean, was that, was that a compliment? That was, a compliment. <laughs> I was the opposite. Was like, yeah. It's so funny. Yeah, that, they are really I, low grade. I, I meant in a positive way. No, <laughs> yeah, people like, it is just a beautiful store with, oh, yeah. with some of the most beautiful instruments. No, we, we're very lucky. We come to, to work in quotations every day, and it's just, yeah. it's just fun to sort of gander. You're like, wow. I'm around the best guitars built mm. in the world. Yeah. Every day. And I can play any one of them. 
I mean, you have the guitar world. It's wonderful. Yeah. It's, um, that's what we feel like all of us do. And we, just, we do. And we love it. And we're happy. Baxter, we appreciate your time. We appreciate you sitting down with us. And thank you for playing for us. Well, thank you guys for letting me come in. Um, I, I loved your TV show. It was wonderful. <laughs> yeah. The, the joke was, will never die. He will. If you need him to sign an autograph, he'll be glad to do that. Yeah, okay. And um, you're gonna go home and watch it on YouTube later, right? Oh, for sure. You, need to, you just like watch it. I'm gonna binge watch it. Two minutes. Just watch a two minute clip. No, yes. Baxter, thank you, dudes. It was awesome. Thank you guys. All right. <laughs> Jeff. I thought that was great. I thought, gosh, Baxter is such a great conversationalist and so interesting. I think his energy level of just on life is a delight. You picked it up nicely with your comment about kind of asking him, you know, you always seem happy, you always seem in a good mood, because he does, right? And I was, I, quite frankly, he surprised me with his answer that, yep, I, I kind of am. I just love what I do, because I was expecting him to be like, oh, well, you guys don't, you know, you see me in these soundbite moments. Mm -hmm. So that's great to know that he he kind of is this way that we see him um, when we don't see him. Yeah, I think that his um, his spirit gives him an opportunity that kind of also it pours through his music and just when he taught kids and when he's taught people and his customer service at the store, it just goes all the way through. Yeah, yeah, no, that was that was a lot of fun, and you know he's got a great energy, and you can sort of see when he was describing kind of early in life being maybe a little bit more of a quirky creative type person he's grown up to be a quirky creative type person right so you can sort of see that just running through in his uh in the way he carries himself and uh, one of the things that he shared and i think that his parents nurtured and supported and embraced that which you know made him really confident in who he is which is also another good uh lesson of this today yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I, I know you probably heard me say this, but I, as a parent, I was struggling when he said, oh, yeah, you know, they they took me here, took me there when he was a young teenager to go gig out or to play with these various people. Or he just did that himself once he found the place for him. And I just remember thinking, man, I, yeah, I'd be worried. I'd be nervous. I, you know, I would want my kid to have that, but I imagine I don't consider myself to be an overprotective parent, but I feel like I probably would want to be just sitting at a distance watching what mm -hmm. was happening right. every yeah. time. Yeah. What's your big takeaway, you know, and how does music affect your life and how do you, you know, even how did, how did Baxter confirm that with you? Especially having a child whose career is in music. Yeah. So it, it was really neat to see him as an adult grown man be so excited about music because I can, I see a bunch of my teenage and young adult kids being, you know, really enjoying music. It's infectious. It's neat to see. And I, at my heart, really love music. I, I realized it when we got done with our interview at his studio. The first thing I did after I started up my car was I plugged my phone in, I hit my Spotify playlist, and I started listening to my music. And that's something I do all the time. It's almost kind of this ubiquitous, habitual relationship that I have with a handful of playlists because I just it brings me to a place that I want to be. You know, one of the things that you talked about is seeing someone who has kind of made this career out of uh, out of music and. And so one of my favorite articles I read while I was doing some research as we got ready for this uh, podcast was from Steinway.com. And it was a speech given by, let me make sure I get the name right, 
Carl Palmeck, and it was welcoming parents to the Boston Conservatory. I would encourage anyone to read this article. And really what he was talking about, he started he starts off that his parents had said basically, you know, you did really good in school, you know, your SAT scores are fantastic, you know, we're thinking, you know, chemistry, doctor and that kind of mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. And they said to him, "You're wasting your SAT scores." And uh, you know, and that's that's kind of article that got my attention right away. I'm like, this could be interesting. But what he talked about was that he goes, it goes all the way back to the Greeks. Music and astronomy are two sides of the same coin. And astronomy as a science is something that looks at the relationship of something that is observable, permanent, and external. And music looks at the relationship of something that is invisible, internal, and hidden. And I heard that through kind of as a theme kind of going through Mm -hmm. with uh, Baxter, whether he talked about wanting to hear young uh, 20s folks um, music versus someone who was in their 70s trying to talk about what current events days. He wanted to hear the younger folks on that. Um, And I thought about that invisible internal and hidden uh, messages or messages, relationships uh, that went on through that. Uh, In the articles I I was looking at having to do with kind of this science behind the brain science of music, they were focused a great deal on the structure. And when it came to the impact on mathematics, the, the scales and, you know, that, that sort of thing. And yet music, when we think about it, and certainly when we experience it, we don't really experience that structure. I mean, we are, but we're, it's almost imperceptible because it transcends the structure into something that's phenomenological, something that's experienced in a different way. Wait a minute. You're telling me when you're listening to music and you're out thinking, this is in 6-8 time, I'm going to be able to, um, you know, recognize this. And, right. No? Oh, okay. Yeah. No, not so much. Not oh, okay. So much. All right. I mean, maybe like a, a, a Sousa march. Oh, okay. Uh, because as... Oompa. Yeah, that's Oompa. exactly right. Oompa. I'm All thinking right. about that. But, All right. Yeah. The other thing that I loved about this article, and, and this is, he challenged, he said, listen, his expectation, he challenged these kids and their parents and trying to give the parents comfort is I expect you guys to save the world, which is a pretty big speech to a freshman of a music um, like Boston Conservatory. And he used September 11th as an example. And we, and we go back and we think about our, one of our conversations with Stuart on one of our podcasts, people sang that day, like he pulled people into the church and they sang hymns. And one of the comments is the military secured our airspace and made sure that we were secure. The arts helped start healing us during that. And I thought that was a beautiful way to look at that. And I think that music, you know, we think about Christmas season. We think about uh, any holiday birthdays. There's usually music at special events, weddings. um, There are, you think about, have you ever been to a wedding with no music? No. All right. Of course not. Yeah. And, or a memorial service you know, where you're celebrating somebody's life, there is music. And so it is all throughout our life. And I think that, you know, it's there to heal us and help us get to a certain moment in a much better way. Yeah. And in that way, because music is at these sentinel events in our lives, it has to be tied to something at the core of what it means to be human. Do you and your wife have a song? We have a song that we dance to at our wedding. I would not say it is our song, although, you know, we make fun of it when it comes on because at the time it was it was a popular song. If you listen to the words, is it Weird Al Yankovic. <laughs> I wish, 
you know, it is Love of a Lifetime by Firehouse. And yeah, this is a one-hit wonder, big hair band from the late 80s, early 90s. And it's horrible. Like, it, the song is so cheesy. But, like, the words, if you just if you just listen to it, like, you wrote out the words on paper. You like, like a poem? Uh, like a poem. That's lovely. If you didn't see, like, a bunch of big hair rockers jamming out to this thing with their guitars, yeah. uh, like, you could be okay with it. But... Yeah, Love of a Lifetime <laughs> by right. Firehouse. What I, I mean, it begs the question, Jeff. What did you and Severine dance to at your wedding? I couldn't tell you what we danced oh, to at our wedding, but boy. we, but I do. We do have a song, but we also danced to it. It is a um, Ten Thousand Maniacs song. It is These Are the Days, and the first time we danced to it, we had both finished the shift working at the restaurant. We were both dressed exactly the same, you know, the black pants, black sneakers, the teal collared shirt. And we were at the grocery store and that came on and we danced in the aisle. It was late one night. And that has been the song for the last 28 years. So it's a- That's the thing. So like every anniversary, do you play it? No, but it's it's usually like if I make like back when you can make a mixtape or a mix yeah. CD or whatever a mixtape is today, mix the version tape. of it, a mixtape. <laughs> oh, so you'll you'll put yeah. a little thing on the website of what a mixtape sure. is. Yeah. Okay. I'll explain it to everybody. <laughs> yeah. So that's, you know, that's the song that makes us think of each other. I remember, uh, so one of my favorite things around music was the act of going down to a local record store. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was called State Street Records. Oddly enough, it was on State Street. What? Yeah, crazy. Anyhow, that is brilliant, brilliant marketing. Super creative. <laughs> anyway, we go down, going down there and picking out albums, you know, and try to save up, you know, lawn mowing money or whatever part time job money to buy a vinyl to you know share with the friends and then wear it out and bring it over to a friend's house and whatnot. I remember buying uh, an album by ACDC <laughs> and I was trying to, I was giving it as a birthday gift to a friend who was turning maybe fourteen, something like that. And uh, my mother saw it and was like, you're not giving this as a gift, are you? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, he likes ACDC. And, uh, Did they have the I, warning label on it yet? I, I, no, there was no warning label. Because that came out, when did that come out? I don't know. This would have been 1982, oh, 1983 no, time frame. Yeah. But it was, it was enough where, you know, I, I had, yeah, definitely I had never really paid much attention to the lyrics, listened to a bunch of songs, but, you know, it was just kind of, it went right over my head. And my mother was like, no, this is not good for you. <laughs> so we gave it as a gift anyway. But yeah. It was I, one of those. That reminds me, I remember buying, I was buying a tape, the Jay Giles band, and uh, at Murphy's Mart at this, you know, the Walmart of the town we lived in right. back then. Right. And a woman stopped my mom and me and said, do you know what's on that album? And, and I was like, good news. It's good. Yeah. And, and then those two Something parents had a conversation. Sure <laughs> yeah, yeah, those those two parents had a conversation, and I'm, I'm not sure if I got the album or not. So oh, it talk about takes a village to raise a child, right there, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. All right, Mark, what's your uh, final takeaway here for music? My what? takeaway is that music is a quintessential part of our lives and I could have done with a lot less algebra. <laughs> I know this will like frustrate the STEM folks out there, but I, I I probably remember more lyrics to some of my favorite songs than I do my Pythagorean theorem and, 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 and use it on a daily basis as opposed to uh, calculating the, you know, the angle 
So I'm gonna I'm gonna update you on STEM. It's supposed to be called STEAM now. You're supposed oh. to put A in there for arts. Is that right? I have heard that. Yeah, I, I think, think that's accurate. I think we've run out of steam. I think that is something <laughs> that's already made up. No, I actually heard that. I think it should be steam. Okay. We should okay. don't cut the arts, Mark. Don't cut the arts. So I think what I would end on is that I think music creates a connectivity, you know, through cultures, through uh, among people, and I think that it just is a something that I cherish that has been you know was introduced to me you know probably from the very beginning, and and I hope that. Even when I'm in my frailest stages, that my kids are making sure that music is set up that I get to listen to that on a regular basis. Yeah. I'm sure they're going to put some nasty lyric stuff on your head <laughs> with some headphones as you're lying there in your last moments, <laughs> breathing your last, listening to some gangster rap. I'm sure that's what's exactly going to happen. Okay. If, they, if they're loving me that way, then I'll, I'll listen. All right. Fair enough. Jeff, well, this has been a pleasure. Thanks so much for doing this podcast episode with us, and thanks all for you listening. We hope you go off and listen to some of your favorite music.